0: Well, good evening. I flew in this morning and I will fly out tomorrow morning. (laughs) And I love Granbury already. It's a cool town. You know, I got to drive in. I, regardless of what time we get out of here, I've got to go over and walk to downtown because I just look as cute as can be. I'm over at the Iron Horse for uh, spending the night. It's not just a canned little hotel, which is what I usually get. It has personality. It's a home, and I appreciate that. I also got to meet a cousin of mine that I didn't know I had until just recently. She lives right here in Granbury. And, you know, all of a sudden, Audrey, where are you? There's Audrey over there in the back. She saw the event, she saw my name, and it's like, that's got to be a relative, Lyle. And, and so I got to meet family, so that's real good. But, uh, I practice obstetrics and gynecology, that's my profession, this is my passion. That's why we spend all the money buying a practice. When we purchased the practice, which was the largest provider of abortion services in our Tri-County area, we also had the physician sign a non-compete where he could not practice any medicine for the next two years. He then went into retirement, he moved back to Sweden. We have made a group change in our uh, panhandle we have actually been able to use the different pregnancy resource centers, Emil Coast Coalition for Life, and a men's group that I have called Micah Six Eight. We meet every Friday morning at six fifteen for a time of prayer, worship, Bible study, and also to champion pro life causes, raising money. We now have not had an abortion provider on the entire panhandle of Florida for the past fifteen weeks because of that kind of pressure. This is my family. This is my family. This is my daughter Emily. She's now at the University of South Florida in Tampa. This is my daughter Sydney, who is a gator over at the University of Florida. And this is my wife Leslie. 25 years ago, last Tuesday, we got married on September 11th. I thought it would be easy to remember because it was 911. But uh, it's a little bit of a bittersweet now since we got married 25 years ago. But we celebrated that, and then this past Monday, she had to have surgery. So we, you know, call, you know how it is when you're in medical, you call your surgeon, you call your anesthesiologist, you call the nurses, get it all set up, so she is recovering well. And I was thinking about her getting her surgery in tonight's event. When she went into the operating room on uh, Monday to get her surgery, and she got anesthesia, and she could not respond to any kind of stimuli, she was not feeling pain, was she still a person there on the inside? It's so, like, yeah, she was still a person. She was, I married much better than my wife did. She was still the beautiful lady that I fell in love with 27 years ago, who I've been married to for 25 years. Completely unable to respond, could not feel any pain as they you know, operated on her, yet she was still a person. Just like the unborn, the preborn, are still persons. Is a patient a person? Yeah. And to quote Dr. Seuss and paraphrase it, a patient's a person, no matter how small. I'm going to take you into my world, into my daily life, how we treat the pre-born as patients. We're going to talk a lot of medical things tonight. We're not going to show you any blood or any things like that. I'm going to talk to you about how the pre are patients there in the womb. You got to show a delivery, so I get to show a delivery picture <laughs> too, all right? This is a couple of months ago. This is actually my nurse's uh, baby. You know, nothing flatters you more when somebody who sees you every single day asks you to deliver your baby and to take care of you. When a nurse from the operating room or labor and delivery refers patients to you and they see you all the time, day shift, night shift, that's the biggest compliment any healthcare provider can have. But this was be nurse's baby, and that's her husband. He's in the Marines, and I said, soldier, You need to put on some gloves. He goes, oh, no, no, sir, I'm just fine up here at the head of it. I said, no, that was not a request, soldier. (laughs) That was an order. So put on some gloves. So we put some gloves on him. And what I love about this picture is the look in his eyes as he has just helped me deliver his baby, and he's looking down at this baby. The same baby that he saw the heart beating there on the inside on the ultrasound, the same baby that he could hear the heart beating, the same baby he could feel kicking. This baby is no different. It's just now in a different environment. It's going from the inside to the outside. Gosnell movie is coming out. I got to go to the premiere. I just want to put a little plug in because my wife and I actually have uh, bought out a movie theater for the in the uh, Pensacola area. You can log on to gosnellmovie.com. It's a story about the uh, horrible abortion story over in Philadelphia. It is very well done. It is mostly about the story and about the case. It is not gross. It is not, even though the topic is, but it is a great way to tell the truth. So you can either have it in your area or you can actually purchase showings by just going to that. The producer is a friend of mine, all right, and he did a wonderful job putting this this movie together. It'll be a great thing. The more people, of course, that show up for a movie the first weekend, the more likely it's going to continue to be available in the movie theater. So we took the offensive, where we just bought out the movie theater, so they've already sold out for that weekend now. So so we got a good weekend start to go with. can see this, it's a set of stairs. But it changed my life. You know, when I purchased that practice in Pensacola, I didn't really think of it turning into a ministry, but God has amazing ways. When God is giving you the tap on the shoulder to get involved in a ministry, whether it's teaching a Sunday school class, getting involved in the pregnancy resource center, listen to them. Because if you don't do it and take that blessing, God's not gonna go, Oh my goodness, now what am I gonna do? You'll we'll just go to somebody else and they're gonna get those blessings. This is the set of stairs in my practice. We had purchased the practice, we had negotiated, I had my motivations for taking over this practice. And we had gone and we had seen the offices, seen the ultrasound, the exam rooms, but I'd never gone upstairs. On a Sunday after church, when I finally had a key to the office, I went up this set of stairs. And the abortion clinic was actually upstairs while the surgeries were performed. And I couldn't help but think how many moms had gone up this set of stairs, thousands of moms since the 70s, on up that set of stairs, spend an hour upstairs, and then walk down another set of stairs without that precious little baby there on the inside. And I don't know if you've been over to Europe, you've gone through Poland, you've gone through Germany, and you've gone to the concentration camps. There are some places in the world that you just walk the ground and er, there is just a coldness. There is a coldness, there is an evil, something bad has happened here. And I could feel that when I got upstairs. I got up the stairs. And I saw the abortion machine, I saw the abortion equipment, I saw all the little sterile instruments in their peel packs, the jars on the abortion machine, and I said, oh my goodness, people need to know what's going on. I'm going to do a presentation for my church, and then that changed the things, and now I travel around the country doing my full-time practice, about 25 deliveries a month, but still going with this, because this is my passion. It's gotten, allowed me to meet a lot of great supporters. Uh, of course, that's uh, Dr. James Dobson, Work with Heartbeat International, CareNet, Abortion pill reversal, we're going to talk about this, because not only do a lot of lay people not know that we can reverse a medical abortion, a lot of physicians and a lot of nurses don't know. I've reversed three medical abortions just this year since January, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. Narcotic opioid deaths. Do y'all have a narcotic problem here in Texas? Yes. We got a huge problem in Florida. I mean, you can get Narcan if you have a son or a daughter that is abusing narcotics. You can't get your insurance to pay for an EpiPen, but you can get an, a, a a prescription for Narcan. We have it in all the cop cars. We actually have Narcan for the dogs that are in our airport sniffing because they can actually overdose from the, from the drugs that they're sniffing and you have to give the dog Narcan. So when somebody shows up at our hospital, whether she's pregnant or not, and she's overdosed on a narcotic, what do we do? We give them Narcan. Narcan's amazing. Somebody is unconscious, they are out, they can't breathe, you give them an injection of Narcan, and it's like turning a switch. They will practically finish the sentence that they were starting before they went unconscious from the narcotic. So we can reverse narcotic overdoses, then what about medical abortions? Can we reverse them as well? And we can. In 2017, 72,000 Americans died of narcotic overdoses. That's why we're hearing so much. It's affecting all of our states, and it's affecting all of our communities. It's not the inner city, it's out in the country, and it's in the suburbs as well. Loss of lives, 72,000. How long would it take during that same year in 2017 to have the same number of losses of life from abortion? January 28th, you can't even get through the month of January to equal the 72,000 deaths due to abortion, just to compare the two. So we save lives with Narcan, well what about when somebody is given the medications for a medical abortion and then changes their mind? I'm going to tell you a story about one of those. In fact, on my way over here, the mom called me. She knew I was coming here. And she said, Can, are you gonna tell them about my story? I go, Yeah, I'm gonna tell you about them, about your story. She goes, Can I send you another picture of Journey? I said, Sure. So on the way over here, I've got it on my phone still. You know, she sent me a picture of her daughter who was given a med- she was given a medication called Methotrexate We reversed it, and she has a healthy baby baby, baby girl. That methotrexate she was given has a 98% chance of causing an abortion but with the medication and with a real important ingredient, overwhelming her with prayer. We actually have a beautiful little baby. I'll show you a picture of it a little bit. About 20 to 25% of the abortions now in the United States are not performed with surgery, they're performed with medicine. Young ladies can go in, they're counseled, they're given the medication, they go home, and there's two primary medications. The first is RU46. Anybody work in the service industry? Yeah, you know, did you ever serve in a in a in a restaurant or anything? Well, when they put up eighty six the meatloaf, what does that mean? It means we're out of meatloaf. We're going to get rid of. Them. There's no more meatloaf. So when you look at this, are you for eighty sixing this pregnancy? Is the way I look at this drug. Are you forty six? It can be given up to forty nine days after the first day of the last menstrual period. You look at seven, eight, nine weeks along in the pregnancy. The medication itself. Is an anti-progesterone. Well, what's progesterone? Progesterone, progestation. It's the hormone the body that produces that keeps the pregnancy going. So when a person shows up seven, eight weeks to the abortion clinic and they counsel her and they give her this medication, RU46, it stops the pregnancy. The body is sitting there and it's like, I could have sworn we were pregnant. I thought we were like seven or eight weeks pregnant. Now I don't, doesn't look like we're pregnant. So then they give them a second medication that causes the uterus to contract, and it pushes the baby out. So what do we do? Well, with RU46, can we reverse that? Yeah, because if your kid is involved in narcotics and your kid is making bad choices, do you just pray for them yourself, and that's the only person praying for them? No, you call your friend, you call your church, you call your Sunday school, and what do you do? You overwhelm them with prayer. Well, we do the same thing when somebody has been given RU46, Except we overwhelm them with prayer, but also with a hormone, progesterone. If they've been given a medication to block progesterone, we just give them so much progesterone that it's like, well, never mind. We are pregnant again, you know. <laughs> so when we do that with the forty six. We just published an uh, an article with Dr. George Delgado where we have over 100 cases where somebody had been given RU46 was then reversed with progesterone and we had healthy, perfect little babies afterwards. So it's an important thing for a center to start looking into. The other form of abortion is with a medication called methotrexate. It's chemotherapy. How does chemotherapy work in attacking cancer? Well, cancer is rapidly dividing cells well, so is a baby. Baby is just a collection of amazing, rapidly dividing cells. that goes from two cells and then to an adult, which is 60 trillion cells billions of cells just to have you looking at me with millions of data bytes per second transmitted to your brain. It's an amazing design because there was an amazing designer of our bodies. But methotrexate is a chemotherapy. But we have a medication called Leucoborin which we use if somebody is having toxic side effects from methotrexate. We can give them Leucoborin. Well now, four times in the world, we have used Leucoborin to reverse a methotrexate uh, abortion. I have one of the four. So I've done 25% of them I've got, you know, and I'm going to show you that little baby. That's Journey, all right? Let me tell you the story about Journey and and let you know how it's not just one person that gets involved and one person that does things. This is a team effect. Mom was in nursing school. Her fiance was in engineering school over at the University of South Alabama, and they became pregnant. They were engaged, they were going to get married, but they didn't know what to do. So what did they do? Well, where did she go when she felt comfortable? She'd been to Planned Parenthood before. She'd gone in there for medical care, for pap smears and things like that. So did she go to Planned Parenthood planning to terminate this pregnancy? No, she went to Planned Parenthood because it's where she knew where to go. So she went to Planned Parenthood and she said, it was like buying a used car. Like, what do I have to do to get you into an abortion tonight? It was that kind of pressure. She said she was there for about an hour, they counseled her, they really convinced her that having a baby would be the wrong thing to do. She signed the consent, they gave her an injection of methotrexate, and they walked out after about an hour. They sat in their car, it was hot, and they didn't even start the car. They thought, what just happened? You know, we're getting married, we're pregnant, what did we just do? So they drove home, didn't say a word, and they went to bed. Next morning she gets up and just was in a stupor all night long on saturday night she's she's up and she's like you know what when patients come into the ER and they've had too much narcotic we can reverse that with Narcan she goes is that a drug that we can use to reverse an abortion so she finds a website called abortionpillreversal.com she logs on on sunday morning she logs on to abortion pill reversal she talks to a volunteer nurse who mans their phone system. And she says, where do you live? She goes, I live in Mobile, Alabama. She told the story. She goes, hold on. She clicks in the the, the, uh, coordinates for Mobile, Alabama. She goes, I have a doctor over in Pensacola, Florida. That's about an hour away, right? So I'm getting ready to sing in my quartet in Pensacola, Florida. And I get a call, and it's an abortion reversal. And I tell my pastor, I said, hey, I can't sing this morning. He goes, what's going on? I said, I'm going to try to reverse an abortion. He goes, go boy, go. So uh, I'm doing that. So I talked to her, I counseled her, and I said, all right, I'm gonna find the medication for you and we counseled her as far as what was gonna go on. I found a pharmacy over in Mobile, Alabama that carried Leukoborin. And I spoke with the pharmacist, and said, hey, I'm gonna call the prescription, 25 milligrams of Leukoborin twice a day for ten, for 10 doses. And I gave her the name and all the other information. And I said, I wanna give you my credit card because I'm gonna pay for that. And she's like, what? And then she says, hold on, are you trying to reverse an abortion? And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, I will meet this young lady and I will pay for it. <laughs> and she goes, and I'm gonna take care of her. So I called the patient a couple hours later just to make sure she showed up and everything. I said, well, how did go to the pharmacy? Did you get everything? Do you have any questions? And she goes, that is one unique pharmacy. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? She says, I showed up at the pharmacy. The girl brings me back and she gives me a hug and says she's gonna be praying for me. And then she paid for my medication. I said, that's great. So we, short story, we saw her a couple weeks ago, we had a heartbeat, two weeks after that we had another heartbeat, had a maternal fetal medicine doctor to hire doctors look at her, and then this is the night when I delivered Journey. You know, this is a baby that had been given methotrexate, which had a 97 to 98% chance of causing an abortion, and here's this perfect little beautiful baby there in my hands that night when we delivered her. <laughs> And helping her out during the pregnancy, you know, we kept everything as far as the stories, you know, private. But she told the pregnancy center. They even had a baby shower for her. I mean, this was just amazing. They, never, they didn't even know we could do this kind of things. And so they had a baby shower for her, and they made one Facebook post, just one picture and a quick little story. In 24 hours, we had 200,000 views. On the second day, we had 400,000. The third day, we had 600,000. Now we're getting calls from all the major networks, even as far as London, saying, what's going on? <laughs> so then, you know, they, they contacted our marketing department. The marketing department said, you are not going to do an interview. So now I'm calling the lawyers out at Alliance Defending Freedom in Scottsdale. It's at their facility, yada, yada you have the rights to the story, but you can talk about this that happened in their hospital. And I spoke with the marketing director, the vice president of marketing from Ascension Hospital in St. Louis, Missouri. I was like, I'm happy to do the interviews. The patient wants me to do the interviews. And this was his response. He said, we don't want to alienate half of our potential patients. And we don't want to risk harming our brand. How does a story about a mom who has given the medication and then regrets it and wants to reverse it is successfully reversed, healthy mom, healthy baby. How can that ever harm the brand? That's why this is not a choice of vanilla or chocolate. Chocolate cake versus key lime pie. I saw some of y'all negotiating with your pie. I will raise your chocolate for a key lime pie. I saw the, the gambling going on yeah I said, spiritual battle. this is not a choice it's 100% a spiritual battle then I had another patient a patient came into our emergency room at Sacred Heart Hospital, she had gone to an abortion clinic over in Mobile was given RU-46 was also given the medicine that to, and then she passed some blood clots and had some bleeding, it was a little bit more than she felt comfortable, so she came into the ER I was on call, they called me downstairs did an ultrasound we all had one heartbeat we had two heartbeats there you know, she was still pregnant with viable ba- viable twins, so what did we do? I talked to her, I said, you know, you still have babies on the inside with heartbeats. And she goes, I do not want to hurt my babies. I- she didn't even know she had twins. So we talked to her about progesterone, reversing that. And so we did that, and then we had heartbeat Two weeks later, two weeks later, we had heartbeats. Then I got a call from administration. And I'm thinking, oh, they heard the story down in the ER. I think, it's pretty cool, huh? Uh-uh. You know, all of a sudden, I get called to our IRB, our Institutional Review Board, for practicing experimental medication medicine down in our ER. I'm like, what? So I call the lawyers out at ADF, and I was I was ready and I was prepared. So I was prepared. And I went before the board. I presented the data. I presented the case. And I presented the reversal and information and the protocol, and also the consent and the desire for the mother. And so they said, well, you're still going to come here and present. They deliberated, and they said, guess what? What you did was reasonable. Just like we will reverse a narcotic overdose with Narcan, this lady had a medication that threatened her pregnancy. She wanted to reverse it, wanted to save her pregnancies. And it's the first time an IRB has actually deemed abortion reversal to be considered a reasonable course of action. True. (laughs) We've got an election coming up, so we're going to hear lots of truth because an election's coming up, right? Well, maybe not. But what is truth? Well, look to the Bible. You know, truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes under the Father but by me. Since we are in a spiritual battle when it comes to abortion, we have to be using the only offensive weapon, which is the Word of God. If we're going and trying to convince somebody that something is more right, and something else is more wrong, we're gonna lose because this is a spiritual battle. A lot of the doctors who perform the fetal surgeries on the babies are the same doctors who, if they choose not to have fetal surgery, will then terminate those pregnancies. So how can the guy who actually is doing surgery on babies on the inside say, I'll fix your baby on Tuesday, I'll terminate your baby on Thursday. So it is a spiritual battle. So when does life begin? I was born June 20th, 1965. Is that when my life began? Not, not at all. I'm going to show you a video of what happens at the moment of conception. At the moment of conception, all right, there are 200 million sperm who all think they're Michael Phelps. Uh, they are there, the gun has gone off, and 200 million sperm are swimming for the other side of the pool. But they came from the guy. So they're swimming, 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 and they're in the uterus, and now they've got to make a choice. Do I want to go to the left tube, or do I want to go to the right tube? But they're guys. Do they ask directions? Nah. You know? Where's the ovary? Where's the egg? You know, they don't ask. So half of them go to the wrong tube, and there's nothing there. It's a dead end. The other half maybe go to the right tube, and then they find an egg. And it's not just the first that tags it. There are thousands all trying to bury themselves into the egg. Only one winner. There is no gold, there is no silver, there is no bronze. It is only gold, okay? Once that sperm gets in there, you can't have multiple sperm because then you will not have a pregnancy in genetics which is compatible with life. So at that moment of conception, just like if the Star Trek Enterprise shows up out of warp speed and there's Klingons all over, what does the captain yell? He says, shields up! Well. The egg puts its shields up, and it's called a zona pellucida. it's a shield that comes up around the egg and says, only one, no moss, all right, just that one gets in. Well, if you use the right frequency of light when that happens, you can actually see a flash of light when you look at it correctly. This is actually from the London Telegraph, and this is literally the flash of light that occurs at that moment of conception, when one sperm got in there, and all of a sudden it is no moss. So people say, well, we really have no idea truly when life begins. It's like, there's a flash of light. What more do you need? Bam, you know, it's there. (laughs) 45 years with abortion in our country. That is 60 million lives have been aborted here in the United States. Population of California is 40 million. Population of Florida is 20 million. We have completely eliminated the populations of California and Florida. And we sit back and you know, we think about Social Security. When Social Security was initiated, there were 35 people, all contributing to the one person that was on Social Security benefits. We're now down to two. It's like, it's like we've, we're missing 60 million people in the country. And guess why we're missing 60 million people in the country? Because we've taken their lives to abortion. We treat the preborn as patients, and that's not new. We do amazing things now, but the idea has been there for decades. We've gone from adneosynthesis in the 60s to looking at hormone levels in the 70s for spina bifida to other blood tests in the 90s. Now we do something called cell-free DNA testing. It's pretty amazing. Cell-free DNA testing we can do as early as seven weeks after conception. If you have a sugar bowl on your table, it's all filled with sugar crystals. If I were to take a pinch of salt and throw it in your sugar bowl, and shake it up. And I told you, do me a favor. Could you just get those salt crystals out of your sugar bowl for me? You like, no way. Well, that's kind of what we're doing. This is the baby. This is the uh, mom's blood supply. We know that there's always fragments of DNA. Our story, the blueprints of who we are. But we also know that 95% of these little fragments in the mom's blood come from the mom and 5% of these fragments come from from the baby. So we can extract out the fragments, but how do we just test the babies? We can actually have a column that will have all the mom's DNA go to one side, that 95%, and all the baby's DNA go to the other side, and we can actually do genetic testing on the baby there on the inside. Why? Because the genetics of that little person on the inside are different from the mom. It's a different person there on the inside. Do we do these tests to terminate that pregnancy and abort that baby? No, because there are so many things that we can do in the interim. Maybe we don't want that baby to live at our hospital. Maybe we want to get a cardiologist involved. Maybe we want to get some other counseling. So it doesn't mean you're gonna take the life of the baby. It just means that this is a different person on the inside. Here's an interesting thing. These little fragments of baby DNA, two hours after a mom has the baby, those fragments aren't there anymore. Why? because that little person on the inside isn't there anymore. Two hours after an abortion, these little baby fragments aren't in the mom's blood either. Why? Because that little person is not there on the inside anymore. So when this smiling, friendly young lady says, it's my body, it's my choice, Mm, no, your body is the life support system for this baby on the inside. Not only is this a different person, it could be a completely different gender there on the inside. Think this little teeny tiny developing baby boy is your body? I'm, I'm old school. I still think there's boys and there's girls, you know? I mean, has the world gone crazy now these days or what? I mean, I thought we had that one figured out a while ago. But it's really a challenge. But it's a different person there on the inside y'all done this yet? Anybody sent their DNA in? I did it. It's cool. You know, you you send off 75 bucks or whatever, you give them 5 cc's of your saliva, and a few weeks later they have analyzed your DNA. And what do they tell you? They can go back dozens of generations and say where you came from. I know, Audrey, you are in my little plan somewhere, you know, but it'll go back and it'll tell you who your ancestors were, you know. Are you from Zimbabwe, Rhodesia? Where is your genetics? Well, these are the chromosomes, and they study the chromosomes. These are our blueprints of who we are. This is me. I'm a white boy. All right. I am 38 percent French, I'm a little bit of Irish, a little bit of British, and then a scattering of all the other stuff, and about one percent European Jewish in me too, mazel Top. Yeah. So, but here's the amazing thing: when you get your report. It just doesn't tell you who your ancestors were. You know, the report then tells you of people with similar DNA that are here in the United States. The uh, Ancestry.com doesn't know that my dad's from North Mississippi and Arkansas, my mom's from New Jersey and Virginia. All of a sudden we get a map of the United States and it's telling me I have hundreds of relatives up in New Jersey and Virginia and hundreds of relatives in Arkansas and North Mississippi. Why? Because their DNA is similar to mine. When did that DNA story of all my relatives that I have now and my past, when did that get laid down? When I was born, that all of a sudden, here I am, here's my DNA, this is my lineage, this is where I came from. No, all that happened at the moment of conception. When that one cell from my mom and the one cell from my dad got together, that story started right at that moment of conception. Not when we were born, but at that moment of conception. Ways that we treat the pre-born as patients. Pubs. What is a pubs? It's not where you get your fish and chips and a beer. You know, pubs is a peri-umbilical blood sampling. There are conditions where the mom has antibodies, which will actually attack the baby. They attack the baby because the baby is born. Just like if somebody got a kidney transplant, they have to take anti-rejection medications because as close as we try to match it, it's still not their kidney. Well, that baby is still foreign, so the mom's antibodies can cross the placenta and attack that baby on the inside. Baby's blood count can get so low that if we don't intervene, baby can die on the inside from severe anemia. So what do we do? We take a needle. We put it through the mom's skin, through the wall of the uterus, into the fluid and we guide it under ultrasound directly into the umbilical vein. And then we can transfuse the right amount of blood. Blood that one of y'all gave, opening oh, the blood and they gave it the Red Cross thing. You have no idea that they took that blood out of your arm and then maybe we would be putting it directly into the vein of the baby. We've done that as early as 19 weeks gestation in our hospital. Five weeks before that baby can really start to survive on the outside. We don't just do it once, sometimes we have to do this every three or four weeks to save the life of the baby. So is it a blob? Is it a piece of tissue that we're giving a blood transfusion to? No. It's a patient, it's a person there on the inside that we're giving blood to. In fact, if there is a heart condition where the baby's heart rate is 250, 280, 300, well, we, if that was an adult, we'd give them medication. Well, we can't give the mom medication because it would affect mom's heart. We can inject medication just into the amniotic fluid. Babies drink amniotic fluid, so they essentially are taking the medications when they're drinking the fluid and we can control a baby's abnormal heart rate by putting medication directly into just the amniotic sac. We can now, at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and Boston and San Francisco, do heart surgery on babies on the inside. You know, if you had to blow up a balloon and I gave you a garden hose versus a little tiny coffee stirrer straw, it is tough to blow up a balloon with a tiny little coffee sterostrol. Well, that's kind of like what's called aortic stenosis. The aorta is the vessel where the blood comes out from, all right, in the heart. And it goes to our bodies. Well, aortic stenosis is when that valve gets so teeny tiny that the baby's having trouble getting the blood to go out. So we can, again, go in through the skin, go through the wall of the uterus with a long needle with a balloon on top. The baby's heart is the size of my thumbnail. Guide it directly into the heart, into the aortic valve, and then blow that balloon up a little bit. Within a minute, you will see the blood flow improve on that baby because it's no longer this tiny little opening. It has now been opened up, and you can see improvements. So we're doing heart surgery. That's been done as early as 19 weeks gestation, and they're routinely doing that at 24 weeks gestation. Mono, die twin transfusion syndrome. We're going to go through these quickly because I don't want you all to fall out on me. But what this is, it's twins. Anybody here have twins? Yeah. And they always agree and they always share perfectly, right? Nah, of course they don't. So what happens with this is you have twins each have their own sac, but they're sharing a the placenta, but they're not sharing nicely. You've got one that is being a nutrition hog on the placenta. And look, this one's real big. This one is kind of getting the leftovers from the placenta. They're not sharing well. So this one was real tiny. And if this continues, we can actually lose this baby, and then in return we can actually lose the bigger baby as well. It's, what was that movie? Uh, remember this one? They never gave the medical explanation on, on why, you know, one was big and Arnold Schwarzenegg and one was little Danny DeVito you know but that's what it is so if you have kids and they're fighting in the back seat of the car you just want to draw a line with tape or something this is your half this is your half we can do that this is a fetus with a laser on the end we can actually map out the blood vessel patterns on the placenta and then this is a picture of what it is we can actually take a laser and just like luke skywalker go <laughs> right down the placenta. This is your half the placenta. This is your half the placenta. You two play nice, and we we'll see you in a few months, we'll deliver you and everything will be good. I don't know if the light will show it, I'm gonna show you actually how, the, how that actually works. We're gonna see the video of it. So this is, that's the targeting laser, and this is the blood vessel we want to destroy. Too much blood is going to that big baby. So you use the targeting laser just to sort of identify it, and there, we just did Luke Skywalker right on that blood vessel, and we have changed the blood patterns on the placenta. Are we treat them as patients on the inside? Yeah. If they're a patient, are they a person? Yeah, absolutely. Delayed interval delivery. We had one of these about two years ago. Mom was here in Pensacola for a Baptist convention. She's about 25 weeks pregnant with twins. I'm sure she didn't get permission to travel out of the area with twins, but she is praising Jesus and she is singing and all of a sudden she breaks her water while she's up there praising Jesus and singing. And it's like, oh boy. So they bring her to the hospital and she is in active labor. And before we could do anything, she delivers the first baby. And that baby goes over to the involve and all the doctors and nurses and supplies and equipment. The second baby, baby B, is still on the inside. That bag of water is still intact and that baby's doing well. Our MFMs looked at her and they said, listen, we have two intensive care nurseries. We have the one that your first baby is in, and then we have the one designed by God, and it's doing a really good job, and it does a better job, really, than with all the technology and and the staff. As long as this baby is doing well, we'd like to keep this baby on the inside. There have been cases not just hours, not just days, not just weeks. We've had babies, one identical twin born in June, the other identical twin born in August. Try to register your identical twins for school. Yeah. it's like you're going to be in different grades i thought you guys were identical twins we are why are you in third grade he's in second grade yeah. but here's the key it's great to treat them with different patients but the one that's in the intensive care nursery has all the rights and protections that you or i would have at a cardiac care unit Yet, it's identical to when you can save at the same moment in time from the same single egg and the same single sperm, which then split. The baby here in the womb doesn't have those rights. That mom, where I grew up and I trained in New Jersey, there is no gestational age cap on abortion. 40 weeks. You can have somebody walking out, I don't know if she's walking in for term labor or if she's walking in for an abortion. How does the identical twin still in the womb have absolutely no rights? And if the mother were to make that choice, she could take that life. But meanwhile, the identical twin that's over here in the NICU has all the rights and protections that we do. Spine a bit for the surgery. You know, everybody has seen this picture of Samuel Armas. It's taken by a friend named Michael Clancy. But I want you to look at the uterus. I want you to think how, when the mom signed a consent form, risks, benefits, indications, and alternatives. What are the benefits for the mom right there? How does the mom benefit from having her skin opened up, her uterus opened up, and doing amazing surgery? There is no benefit for the mom. The only one benefiting is the baby on the inside is benefiting from this. So the consent is attributed to the person, the patient, the baby there on the inside. Um, I brought some DVDs, we're not gonna see this. We had some dinner just a little while ago. You yeah, know, but. I brought some DVDs. We did a DVD <clears throat> um, a couple years ago, and it's long, it's an hour and 20 minutes long, but it goes through how we treat the pre patients. And not only does it show the surgeries and go through what does the Bible say about abortion, what are the statistics, but it you know, show MRIs and fetoscopy and an ultrasound, but we actually demonstrate the abortion equipment. There's no blood, there's no baby parts. It is just the equipment. We let you see the life on the inside, and then we just go through the mechanics. The abortion demonstration that we do for the first trimester, I actually just take the abortion machine that was in my clinic, and we take the tube and we put it inside of a steel paint thinner can and I turn it on. That steel can that I can't crush with my hands just crumples up like an aluminum soda can. That's the kind of force that's being exerted on these babies there on the inside. it's easy to watch, it's not offensive, but I brought a couple of dozen of the DVDs with me carry on my carry-on. So if y'all want one of those, it's a great training tool. But is it a choice? We talked about this. Or are we truly truly involved in a spiritual battle involving good versus evil in this spiritual battle? You know, Genesis 1:26, and God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Well, Do I know exactly what that means? No, because I have to know all the attributes of God in order to understand what that means. But what do I know is that when God created us, we were different. We were made in his likeness, much different from our dogs, our cats, our pets. All we as people are created in the likeness of God. The psalmist is saying, you form my inmost being. You knit me in my mother's womb. I praise you so wonderfully. You made me. Even the psalmist. This is a birth. My mom started a group called Life Keepers up in New Jersey. She and eleven other ladies would get uh, materials donated, and they turned our basement in our house into a sweatshop. And by the thousands, they would make these baby blankets, burp cloths, and bibs that were embroidered with this, you know, psalm on them that they distributed by the thousands of different pregnancy centers up in the Northeast. Why? Because they wanted to have more than just four drops of urine on a pregnancy test. They wanted something that It's not a matter of I'm not ready to have a baby. You have a baby. Give it time and you can use this little blanket, earth, cloth, and bib. Jeremiah 1, 5. God is talking to Jeremiah. And he says, Jeremiah. Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. I set you apart. And I even ordained thee to be a prophet unto the nations. God had a relationship. He had a job. He had a ordination he set jeremiah apart while he was still there on the inside in the womb what does everybody want to get when they come to my office they don't want blood drama they want an ultrasound they want to see their baby there on the inside when they come to the pregnancy resource center what do they want do they want four drops on the urine and two lines versus one line no they want to get an ultrasound so of course we do ultrasound we have 3d 4d who knows we'll do 5d 6D. who knows what's coming around this is right between the barbecue place and the sushi restaurant in my town in Pensacola. Peekaboo! For thirty dollars, you can see your baby. If you have a group Groupon, it's twenty-five. Uh, there baby there on the inside. This is my daughter Sydney. She's the Gator. She's only about twelve weeks since she, since conception. She's only about two inches from her head to her butt. And this is twenty years ago in this ultrasound technology. Well, there's not a whole lot to do in there. She can't play her violin. There's an umbilical cord, so what does she do? She jumps, she slides. She jumps, she slides, and we kept watching her. She gets the hiccups while she's there. We had had spicy food, and you could just see she was not doing well. She would just hiccup so wildly that she would jump and slide. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Cute kid, huh? Look at the way the kid has its hand. Look at the facial expression. What does that kid look like on a 3D ultrasound? Did it change much? Now, when a mom tells me, I can't wait to have this baby, all this kid does is jump around and dance at one and two o'clock in the morning. I just can't wait till this is over. (laughs) I mean, if your kid has that kind of a circadian rhythm, do you really think it's gonna come out and go, so, to bed at 10, up at (laughs) six? It's not gonna happen, you know? But of course, that's another person there on the inside. MRI. I've always had patients, and I'm sure you've had patients say, you don't understand, Dr. Lyle. This baby is just dancing on my cervix. I can just feel it just dancing. I'm like, I'm sure, you know. And then I saw this MRI. This is a baby in coach. It couldn't afford business upgrade. And this kid is in the inside. This is the womb. This is the spine. I'm behind the kid saying, I just want to stretch my leg. I just want to stretch my leg. I am just so fed up with being all tied up my condition. baby is dancing on the inside. I said, sister, I understand. That baby is dancing on your cervix, doing a little tap dance action. Yet that life can be taken up in New Jersey, seven other states at that gestational age. And they would say, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. That is legal. There's no problem with that. That baby just dancing. I think he's just dancing for Jesus there on the inside. You know, technology. It isn't just medicine that's been affected by the technology. It's in our culture. Look at this. Do you remember this ad? And there's your beautiful baby. Mm-hmm. And right. hey, you did now. Right? Is there any areas? He's in areas. I'm not a son. what I have to do. I have <laughs> okay. watch TV, but I was, America's Got Talent, and there was this couple that was, you know, in like the quarterfinals, and she's obviously pregnant, and I'm thinking all liberal Hollywood, the way they were responding to this lady who was obviously pregnant, they were saying, you guys aren't a duet, you're a trio, you know, you have this supermodel, I don't know who she is, who's talking to the baby there, like, who is she? I heard somebody say that, she's talking to the baby on the inside. She's saying, and who would you like people to vote for? Vote for my mommy and daddy. And I'm like, how can the same group of people who will just sing the praises of Planned Parenthood and want all of these abortions across our country, and then hear their true feelings. This is a person on the inside. You are a trio up there singing and performing. Baby Samuel, there he is again. Well, what happened to Samuel? Where is he now? I mean, he was he you talk about child actors kind of burning out early. I mean, <laughs> he wasn't born yet. So where's your career peak? Well, it's about 24 weeks gestation <laughs> on the inside. I was speaking in Atlanta a couple years ago and this kid came up to me afterwards. And he says, hey, Dr. Lyle, you use my picture all the time. Can I get my picture with you? And I'm like, yeah. And I looked at his name tag, that's Samuel Ormos. That's the same kid who was in the inside there on the picture, you know? And I said, Samuel, I gotta ask you one question now that you're a grown up. You know, and he goes, yep. I said, when you were there on the inside and having that surgery done at 24 weeks, were you a a person? He goes, duh. (laughs) All right, that kind of wrapped it all up, you know? But of course he was a person. (coughs) Informed consent, again, what were the benefits to Samuel's mom get that surgery done. None. You know that Samuel's mom is a labor and delivery nurse and I got to meet her and she's like, yeah, everybody knows Samuel. That's my uterus, my ovaries, my tubes, all my stuff is out there. But does anybody want to take my picture with me or do an article about me? Nah. She gets all about Samuel. And there he is. So no benefits to the mom. Ethicists are starting to realize they're kind of painting themselves in a corner with all the fetal surgery that we're doing. The way we're treating the pre patients. Look at this. This is from the Journal of Medical Ethics. Doyle and Ward suggest that a woman's autonomy may be threatened if fetuses are regarded as patients in their own right. They're saying, hey y'all, y'all are doing heart surgery, you're doing blood transfusions. Pretty soon words are going to get out that they're patients on the inside. They're little people, that's what they're going to be saying. Yeah, now I want you to read this quote from Dr. Annis Major from the same article. She said, it cannot be safely left to pregnant women to decide. Pregnant women are so extravagantly altruistic that their choices must be restricted in their own interests. When it comes to the choice of surgery on the baby on the inside, she's saying, Moms are just too extravagantly altruistic. What does that mean? They love their baby so much that they will take on the risks of having surgery to benefit their baby. So the community that is all about women's choice, all about women's choice, what does she say? These women's choices must be restricted. She wants to have a board of physicians make this decision for her. It's not her decision to make, according to Dr. Smajor. A group of people should make this decision on what's best for her and her own baby, ACOG. ACOG is the governing body of all obstetricians and gynecologists. <laughs> when it came to the partial birth abortion legislation, there are lots of states that pass laws against partial birth abortion. And you think, yeah, that sounds great. It was not written smart. It was poorly written. I'm going to show you why. They said you can't do this procedure. They didn't say anything about you can't take this life. That would like be having a law saying, you cannot use a revolver and kill anybody. Well, what about a semi-automatic handgun? Well, the law doesn't address that. We're, we're just addressing revolvers over here, not other pistols. So what did ACOG say? ACOG said, yeah, our physicians and our lawyers have interpreted these procedures that include partial birth abortion, that you cannot do this in these states unless fetal demise occurs before surgery. What does that mean? Yeah." They said, you can get in trouble, you can't do this on a live baby. You cannot do that procedure. The very next page on what's called a practice bullet, what did ACOG say? Techniques used to cause fetal demise include cutting the umbilical cord, injecting the baby with a medicine called digoxin, or injecting the baby's heart with acid chloride. What they are literally saying is you cannot do this procedure if the baby is still alive. These are our three favorite ways to take the life of the baby. And then once you take the life of the baby with these three procedures, then you can perform the partial birth portion. So we do a lot of consultation with legislators when they're crafting legislation. And it's like, you've got to craft it properly. It's not a procedure it's the life of the baby that needs to be protected. Procedures, you know, you can get one of the DVDs and you can see how we actually do the, how the procedures are actually done. 14th Amendment, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or due property without due process. Meaning, you can't get arrested, your life can't be taken, they can't take your property without having a court trial and having due process. That's the 14th Amendment, person. 14th Amendment. Don't deprive any person. Throughout history, any group that's wanted to take advantage and have power over any other group, you just deny them personhood. Doesn't matter if it was women voting or the American Indians or the African Americans, it was all about person. In Germany, the Court, which is the German Supreme Court itself, refuses to recognize Jews as persons in the legal sense. You want to be able to kill six million people, take their property, just say, they're not persons. I'm a person. You're not a person. The same thought process is not just being on pre-born, but it's being used on the elderly in Europe, and it's coming here. Grandma with Parkinson's or Alzheimer is not the person she needs to be. You know, in Europe now, there are countries where it's not even part of their living, will. You will have a team of physicians who will determine that this is still a person or not. It's not that she said, if this happens, this is what I want. U.S. Supreme Court, Dred Scott. African Americans are a subordinate and inferior class of beings. Was this opinion reversed? Sure. Was the Supreme Court decision regarding the preborn saying that the word person as used in the 14th Amendment does not include the unborn? Can that opinion be reversed? Yeah, it sure can be. It needs to be. Because we are operating on these babies, the technology is showing the lives on the inside, even genetically we're showing that this is a whole different new person from that moment of conception. This is a picture I took down in Pensacola. You know, look at that sign on our beaches. I mean, the turtles come up, they lay their eggs, and then they abandon them. So you have unborn turtles in their eggs just laying on the beach, and there's these signs all over the place. Do not disturb, sea turtle nests, violators subject to fines and even going to jail. There is Florida State Law. There's even Endangered Species Protection Acts. Anybody in the front row read that year? 1973. Isn't it amazing? The Supreme Court makes a decision in 1973 that there is no protection of the lives of the preborn, but we passed a U.S. Endangered Species Act in the same year saying, <laughs> but hold on, there is value in unborn turtles, and we will lock you up in jail if you harm or threaten a preborn turtle in the womb. Who's this? Are- Dr. 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 Seuss, you know? The first doctor book I actually ever read was under Dr. Seuss. And this is one of his more famous books. Of course, Forden hears a who. Where Forden can hear a voice, he can hear somebody screaming, but he can't see them because they're so small. In fact, a person's a person, no matter how small. We've seen how we treat the pre as patients. Modify that a little bit. I say, a patient's a person, no matter how small. Same thing. How many pastors, priests, or rabbis do we have here? We have a good bet. All right. What did Paul say? What did he write back to the church of Ephesus? He says, hey, with all prayer and supplication, pray it after every opportunity in the spirit so I, Paul, might have the courage to speak as I must. This is Paul who would go into a city, get to the, get the snot beat out of him, maybe get stoned, and then go on to the next city and have the same thing happen again. Paul is asking for this church, can y'all pray for me that I have the courage to speak as I must? If you have not heard... Not only the truth about abortion in your church, but you also haven't heard about the forgiveness that comes after an abortion. Because Jesus came to forgive all of us for our sins and offer that gift of salvation. If somebody's sitting there in the church and there are always men and women in a situation like this or in a church who abortion has become part of their lives. It is in their history. But if they don't hear, is abortion a sin? Yeah, it is. But, you know what? The blood of Jesus can cover that sin. And if they don't have true forgiveness, then they're not going to have true healing, and we're not fulfilling our job as Christians and as the church. But with all prayer and supplication, every spirit, pray for me, so that I might have the courage to speak as a scene for the Patriot. The shepherd must have his flock. The wolves. the wolves have taken the lives of 60 million babies here in the United States since 1973. We need to hear that message from our leadership and from our pastors. Because who did Jesus come to save? But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So Christ died for sinners, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, conquered death, and rose again. Sinners. Put me, on the, put me on the list. I, I met the criteria. I am a sinner. No doubt about it. But look at this. Look in Psalms. Psalm 51 from the NIV. Surely I was sinful at birth. I was sinful from the time my mother conceived me. The NIV translates it. So if Jesus came for sinners and the psalmist is saying that he was a sinner from the time he was conceived. Then did Christ die for the preborn? Yeah. Yeah. So if God would send his son to die for the preborn, then don't they have enough value for us to be involved to protect the lives of the preborn? Yeah, absolutely. So what are y'all gonna do? I mean, I have, I love the folks in your center. Y'all have a great center. It is consistent. I've met your ultrasound. I've met the leadership. I've met the volunteers. Y'all have a great center here in this town. You know, they're dedicated, they're motivated, they have a great location, great facility and they have the right priority. It's not just about giving up baby you know, blankets and giving out diapers. No, they're dealing with the young ladies who are abortion-minded, letting them know about that gift of life that's there on the inside, letting them see the ultrasound, and then when they make the right decision, provide them the support that they need. So what are y'all gonna do? Why are y'all here tonight? You know, I flew over. I mean, it's Friday night, it's raining, but I'm sure there's some high school football game going on tonight, you know? But y'all are here. So, sometimes we wonder, well, what brought me to this place in my life? You know, Esther 414, I'm going to use my best Mordecai voice for this. Esther, Esther is now the queen. You know, she has the possible ability to protect the nation of Israel because of what is going to be happening. And this is Mordecai saying But Esther, but that you have come to your holy position for such a time as this, you know, and then what? yeah you know, that's kind of way that I felt about me it's my peers other OBGYNs that I've trained with who have spent 12 years of their lives to take care of the sickest moms and the sickest babies it's my peers that are actually taking the lives of these babies is this like it, such a time as this yeah maybe this is for me and it probably is for you too you know um it's not about donation we have worship here tonight we have worshipped in song, we have worshipped in prayer, we have read scripture, we prayed as a group ahead of, ahead of this. This is an act of worship. When you're in church and you're worshipping, do you then take a collection? No. When we're tithing giving our tithes in an offering, that is very much part of worshipping. It is ascribing work to God. And that's what we're going to think about as we're thinking. Because can we win this? Yeah, we can win this. When it comes to supporting this ministry, we I mean, need free medical advice. Unless Jesus comes, y'all are gonna die. You know? It's I mean that's that's about the only free advice you'll get from a doc. Y'all are gonna die. And then we're gonna spend eternity if we know Jesus in heaven. What's eternity? Well, maybe it's waiting to go see uh one of the rides at Disney World, you know, where they have you wait in line for three hours but no restroom along the way. I mean maybe that's eternity. Now, eternity and distance are the same. Remember that New Horizons probe. We sent that probe all the way out to to Pluto. Remember that satellite? It took it nine and a half years to get to Pluto. Well, then what do you do when you go past Pluto? Well, let's send it to a star. closest star is Alpha Centauri. It took nine and a half years to get to Pluto. The closest star would take it 54,000 years closest to all. We have 200 million stars in the Milky Way and there are over 100 billion galaxies out there. That gives you an idea of what eternity is when it comes to time. And you now we get maybe, what, 70 years here on Earth? You know, maybe we get 90. Mom, my grandmother got 94 years and then we die. And then absent from the body is present with the Lord. So then when we have accepted Christ and all of a sudden we are present with the Lord and we see heaven for the first time. Woo-wee! Eternity, And we're going to think about what did I do for my 70, 80 years for kingdom service while I had that time. And, you know, we're going to fall down on our knees and we're just going to go, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then we're going to think about what did I do for service while I was here before I now spend eternity in Christ. When we think about, can we win? Yeah, the, we talked about how 45, 54,000 years to get to the first star for a satellite. Billions of of galaxies that are out there. And the God who said God created the heavens and the earth. He's the one who put all that out there. Who, when we've been praying as individuals, we've been praying as groups about tonight's banquet, the volunteers, we're praying for a good turnout to start this like torrential rains, you know, out here. And when we think about all of that time, we think about the way we can serve Jesus, God who created all that has heard our individual prayers and answers our individual prayers. And then we sit back and go, can we win? Yeah, we can win. And this is part of the battle here. We are going to be taking it, you know, keep it local, then go out a little bit further, and then off, you know, even further beyond that. So we're here to support our pregnancy resource center because not only are they saving lives on the babies on the inside, but they're also sharing the gospel and they're working on their souls. You know, that is an incredibly valuable resource so let's worship together you saw on the uh the little cards ways that you can help them um and you may even have a skill that they could utilize I was up in Baltimore and after the talk two guys came up to the director and said you know what we own a three-story townhouse that's right next door to Planned Parenthood and we gave it to y'all could y'all use that so now they said yes. So they're now in a fundraiser because they're going to be renovating this building where they will be sharing a sidewalk with Planned Parenthood, sharing a wall with Planned Parenthood. If they don't get them to make a, the right choice on the way in, well, guess what? Maybe they can talk to them about abortion reversal on the way out. So you're blessed in this community to have a wonderful center. I just want you to look at, at the uh, card. I want you to look at how you can support them. How, who knows, maybe... 70, 80 years when we all are in heaven. Maybe we'll think about such a time as this. This time when we could have supported that ministry and think, how did I support that ministry? But I hope you learned something. I'm going to stay until everybody leaves. I'll be outside. But God bless y'all and thank you very much.